Thank you for joining us for the Friday edition of Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain and his wife, Elizabeth. Today, Robert and Elizabeth will continue tackling life issues from a married perspective. His love is the main thing. His love is the main thing. So we mix it up, mix it up. His love is the main thing. His love is the main thing. Grace is for that space when you hate it. When you was like, can I just, it's, it's not dignified anymore. It's not, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. It's for those moments when it's not glamorous, it's not a pretty story on Facebook. It's the real thing, maybe in your privacy. When you feel weak and overcome and you don't want to be, and you don't want anyone to know that I can't do this. That's when it matters. That's when it becomes real. That's when it stops being theory for us. If we can face it, and I think he will take all of us there faithfully. How do we overcome temptation? In today's message, Elizabeth teaches that by God's grace, we overcome temptation. When we are faced with temptation, we can cry out to God. His grace is what empowers victory. God's grace is for those moments when we feel weak, that we can cry out to Him and He'll help us. Now here's Pastor Robert and Elizabeth with part five in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 of their message, Grace for Grace. living in compromise, if you're allowing compromise, well then you're living pretend Christianity. You're not following Jesus. Jesus has no part-time followers. You know that, right? It's all or nothing. Grace isn't about being able to be an undercover part-time Christian. Sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend definitely won't win them to Jesus. It just breaks his heart and misrepresents him. It dishonors him. Same thing for dating an unbeliever. You know, linking yourself romantically to somebody who's headed in the opposite direction from you is only going to confuse them. It's not going to convert them. And I always hear, well, but I know, you know, with so-and-so or this, you know, I had a, had a guy tell me, it's like, hey, it worked for me. And I said, well, you do realize the exception doesn't disprove the rule. You know, I mean, once in a great while, God in his mercy will step into a situation, but more often than not, it works out badly. It's like, you know, pornography won't ever satisfy you. It just intensifies the urges, makes you a slave. Giving in to whatever it is won't free you, but grace will. Grace sets us free. In James 4, 6, the Bible tells us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now listen, I grew up as a young believer believing, thinking this was just about prayer. Taking a stand against the devil. And so you just needed to shout at him, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, Satan. And we, man, we'd have parties at church that were just like that. And people still living in captivity. Why? Because they weren't living out their prayers. If you're not resisting him in your life, he will ignore your words. Do you understand what I just said? 
If you aren't following Jesus from the heart, I don't care what kind of prayers you pray against the enemy, you're not resisting him. What makes grace so irresistible to those who want it, because when is that it, it is from another source. You can't produce it. You can't, and if you're struggling with sin, I, I found this article that I've read so many times since then by Rachel Gilson, and she starts out by quoting 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which if you're not sure, if you're struggling with sin, there's no shame in the struggle. There's shame in not struggling. But, but this, remember this one, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So this is what this woman talked about, a woman who, who struggled a lot and she talks about, in the end, she felt so guilty. She, she just felt guilty before she, she was like, did I sin? I can't remember. And she, she just lived on it. That is not freedom and that is not grace. So this is how she describes that. She said, I had known this verse for years, and I'd understood it intellectually. Yet that morning it grabbed me with a new power, holding my face and looking me in the eye while it spoke. Two of its truths became very marvelously clear to me. First, implicit in the sentence was that temptation is not itself a sin. Temptation is a fact of the fallen world and painful, but painful and morally culpable are not the same. Were these temptation gaining a hearing because of my fallen nature? Yes, but I was saying no with my heart and my mind, even as I was panicked. My fear of how strong the temptation was had lured me into feeling, listen to this, a preemptive guilt over it. But the Spirit's word dispelled this in a moment. To be tempted is normal, common to man, but it doesn't have to be a doorway to sin. It can't be a doorway to the rescue. Second, the personal myth I had established of sin's inevitability was shattered. Yes, I had experienced a general pattern of temptation, resistance, sin, and repentance. But this verse declared loudly that this pattern did not own me. God himself owns me. If my flesh potent enough to fight sin, no. Is God in his almighty power able? Yes. That's the enabling grace. That's the powerful grace. And so that's the fifth non-step the, the fifth part of grace is that it suffices in weakness. 1 Corinthians 12. It suffices in weakness. You are not strong enough to do this. That's the freedom of grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, it says, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So that sounds beautiful. It's one of those I like to quote. It is a whole other thing to live it. It sounds beautiful, but, but I don't like it. I hate feeling weak. I hate feeling out of control, powerless, overpowered by something. But the thing that, that I'm coming to recognize is that it is exactly there, that His grace is the strongest if we will call on Him. I'm not suggesting we pretend we're weak. I'm not suggesting we don't fight as hard as we know how. But when we reach the end of our strength, and we all will, there's grace there. And so it's that fight with all you have and know that it won't be enough. His grace will wait. But it doesn't mean you roll over and say, okay, God, you're going to have to do this. I'm kind of, and you, you go. That is not, it's not a laziness. It's not a license. It's recognizing I will do everything I have for you, but it will never be enough. 
So that it, in a sense, it's a tension between these two principles that's, that where, where grace is found in that tension. And so one of the, that came to, to my mind as we were preparing this is that, have you heard of, heard of Nicky Wujic? How do you say his name? I don't know. He's this Australian guy, Wujic. There he is. I love this man. He has no arms, no legs. It's not like he automatically came to have this joyful look on his face that you see there. He can swim. He's the father, I think, of two at this point. He's married, and he has become, for obvious reason, an inspirational speaker all over the world. Because when somebody like him says that, that my grace is sufficient in weakness, we listen. But we listen because this is what grabbed me this time around. Every story of victory like his... We love the victory part. Yeah, he can, but we hate the part. He hates still feeling weak. It didn't come to him easily. He fought like any of us with his weakness. He, he was suicidal at some points, like, because he, you don't automatically gain the kind of victory he has. It was a process of working out grace. Every story of victory, and especially in the United States, we, there's always these underdog stories of the person who, who somehow against all odds beat the odds and became victorious. But it, it's the odds in your life that seem insurmountable. That's the victory that matters. We love it because of the victory, but we hate the weakness it, it requires. And, and the grace is for that space when you hate it. When you was like, can I just, it's, it's not dignified anymore. It's not, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. It's for those moments when it's not glamorous, it's not a pretty story on Facebook. It's the real thing, maybe in your privacy, when you feel weak and overcome and you don't want to be, and you don't want anyone to know that I can't do this. That's when it matters. That's when it becomes real. That's when it stops being theory for us. If we can face it, and I think he will take all of us there faithfully. But I've recognized that every teacher who inspires me, every musician or worshiper who inspires me, every artist of any kind, any person who has inspired me in my life is people who are very familiar with pain. It's not people who came up with the most flamboyant words or created the most masterful anything. It's people who are familiar with pain and from that place can speak truth and from that place can show me God. That matters to me much more. And, and what it does is if you can embrace it, is that it takes away fear, or it overcomes fear when fear comes. If you can remember that in that moment, when fear does come and you are tempted to give up, and you think of maybe Nikki Vujic or whatever, and you're just like, he hated it too, but grace was enough. And grace is enough for us. It's, when it's in the dailiness that it matters. One may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This verse is from the book of Ecclesiastes, and this is at the very heart of the vision for this special Friday edition of Main Thing Radio. Jesus, Pastor Robert, and his wife Elizabeth, a threefold cord presenting God's Word in a way that will inspire you in your own marriage and walk with God. Pastor Robert's vision is that through this fresh method of approaching God's Word, that husbands and wives will be equipped to face the world on a united front. 
as one team joined together by God, sharing the light of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world all around us. Monday through Thursday here on Main Thing Radio, we share messages from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. But today's message is unique. As you listened today, we're confident that you heard from God through Pastor Robert and Elizabeth. Well, that's all the time we have here for today. On Monday, Pastor Robert will be back with us teaching through God's Word verse by verse. So make plans to join us on Monday right here on Main Thing Radio.